Something that I love to do, I love to have high energy, and I love to be around kids. And one of the things that I do here is I get to work with the kids and High Point kids. But today I get to be with you, and I thought, oh, I'm going to just share um, a funny story about myself um, because I love, you know, the expressive nature of just being in front of kids and having fun. Andy and I moved up here from Orlando, Florida, so you know what's in Orlando, Florida. What is it? The happiest place? Swamps? It's not, that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for Disney World. Everybody knows who Mickey Mouse is, right? Okay, so we lived in Orlando for a few years. I was, um, Andy and I were the associate pastors at a church there, and we were learning the ropes, and along the way I was like, you know what? I've been to Disney enough times. Like, I think I could go and be one of these performer people. I think I could audition and, and get this done. So I decide um, at 26 years old and having had my first child, now is the time to try to be a Disney princess. They want a mothering Disney princess. I know it. I know. Belle, it's, they have sequels for like every princess movie, right? Anyway, so I go to this audition, and um, there's probably about 200 of us there, and it's a really big um, space at Animal Kingdom. And so the first round of auditions is for the parade, okay? I thought, oh, I should tell everybody, I should teach everybody how to do the parade walk, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so we have to line up, you know, at one end of the, of the room, and at the end of, of, of this giant room is this big table, and all the judges or employees that are there to hire you are sitting there and judging you, how you walk, okay? So you have, you know, all these eight counts, and it's like fancy walking that you do. Yeah, you like that? Give me a count. No, I'm kidding. But you got to do all this fancy walking, and I made it through the first round. I was like, yes, if anything, I'm going to be in the parade, okay? And then we go to round two, which is improvisational acting, okay, which means I've never taken an acting class. I did drama for like two seasons in high school, so I was like, this should be fine. I'm going to be fine. And so they teach you how to um, be very expressive, and I was like, already done. And, and so they give you a scenario, and they're like, without talking, I want you to allow me to see exactly what it is you're experiencing in a Disney World park, having fun, and I need to be able to figure out what it is. And I'm like... Okay, sure. I don't even remember what I did, but I did something, and I got through the second round. I was, yeah, my dream's coming true. So then we get to the third round. Now, this is my sweet spot, you guys, because it's dancing, and I love to dance. And so I'm thinking, okay, all right, I got this. How many of you ever heard of High School Musical? It's a little older. Okay, I know. But we did a routine to High School Musical, and I was like, this is so awesome. I'm going to go home, and all the teens, because this was, like, really popular at the time, so all the teens in our youth group were going to think it's so cool that I got this part doing High School Musical dance. So we do the High School Musical dance, and in the middle of it, they're like, okay, now we're going to throw something at you. We want you, when we yell, to start doing your improvisational acting before you start your dancing and then jump into the routine. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. So we do it, and they probably make us do it four or five times. And you guys, I haven't been physically fit, okay? I haven't been working out. I haven't dancing in a long time. And so my acting was really good, though, because at the end of it, I was like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much for having me. And I walked to the bathroom, and I'm like, oh, my God. 
I'm going to die. I need a paper bag. I could hardly breathe. So I'm sitting in the waiting room, and now at this time there's probably about 12 of us. And I'm talking to all the people around me, and they're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Winter Garden. And the girl next to me is like, so how old are you? And I was like, I'm 26. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you guys, she's 26. She's 26 years old. Oh, my gosh, how are you even doing this? And I'm like, I'm sorry, is 26 the new 84? I mean, I can still move back up off of me. And then I said, if you want to know something really crazy, I actually have a one-year-old son. And you would have thought that I said I had 20 kids and I was a part of the Duggar family or something. But I was like, no, I have a child. I'm 26. And they just couldn't believe that. So then the judges come out and they call all the numbers. And they didn't call my number. I know, everybody say, oh. My dream of becoming a Disney performer did not come true. Maybe, maybe one of these days I can, I can go play a granny since that's how old I was when I, when I auditioned. But the truth is, I didn't get the part, and it was disappointing. It was disappointing. Now, I know not everybody in this room wants to be a Disney performer, okay? And if you do, it is possible. But not everybody in here wants to be a Disney performer, and today, as I was thinking about that, even when I left and I was driving home, you know, I was okay. I was kind of sad about it, but I, I started replaying the, you're 26, you're too old, you have a child, what are you thinking? Like, they'll never hire you. And I know it was just for that one moment, and I got over it. But the truth is, is we all experience something in our lives to where lies can creep in, and rejection can creep in. And maybe you didn't want to be a Disney parade performer, but maybe you really wanted a job promotion that somehow the person next to you just keeps getting promoted. You come early, you leave late, and you just keep getting overlooked. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I just want to get into that program at school so bad because my goal is to be this, and you just keep getting denied. Or maybe you had a marriage that ended in divorce and it didn't end how you hoped and your expectations haven't been met. You've been parenting by yourself, working hard around the clock. Or maybe you're single this morning and everybody keeps bombarding you with the question, so, have you met anybody? And you keep feeling overlooked and left out. And this morning my heart and my hope is, as we're talking through what lies beneath today, we're gonna focus on rejection for just a little bit. Rejection actually means to be thrown away, to be cast off, and to be forsaken. And you may be thinking, I'm not forsaken. I'm not, I don't feel thrown away, Amy, and that's okay. Some of you might feel that way, but some of you, I guarantee you, are walking around carrying things that you shouldn't be carrying because of what someone else did or said or what you're longing to get from somebody. The one thing that... I can guarantee you this morning is that God provides us with a book called the Bible full of stories of men and women who have experienced very similar things that we have experienced today. And he offers us truth and promises on how to get through that. So that's what we're going to talk about. I believe that God wants to bring some freedom to us this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for being here. We thank you for even just the delight of cooler weather 
God, how refreshing that is. And Father, we just ask in this moment, God, that our eyes would be open to see, our ears would be open to hear, our minds would be open to know, and our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us today. Let us lay down our pride and let us lay down our fear and let us stand before you ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 5 today. We're going to be talking about um, a story in in Mark chapter 5. And what's happening leading up to this point is Jesus has begun his ministry. So Jesus has been walking the earth. He's been healing people. He's been setting people free. He has been commanding the weather to stop storming. Um, He has exuded much power at this point. And so the word of mouth has traveled that Jesus is coming, he's here, and he heals people. He performs miracles. And so Jesus, in this moment, is on his way. A leader in the church said, please come and heal my daughter. She's very sick. And so right now, Jesus is on his way to heal someone's daughter. But this is what happens. We're going to pick up in verse 24 in Mark chapter 5. Are we ready? So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that that power had gone out from him. He turned, and he looked into the crowd, and he said, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I really don't have to say much more after reading that. It's such a powerful encounter. But I want to unpack this for a few minutes because there's a lot of things that we can learn from this story. To give you an understanding of, of her situation, to be bleeding for 12 years, In this particular time, um, they're still operating under the law of, of the covenant, the law of the Old Testament. And when someone has an issue, a physical ailment, any sort of, it can be a skin issue, it can be all different things, they were dubbed unclean. And um, for instance, from just a biology place, okay, if a woman once a month has um, a cycle, she would be dubbed unclean for about seven to ten days and would have to go through like a ceremonial process to be cleansed and be able to come back into community with people. During that time, you're not allowed to encounter, you're not allowed to be in contact with another person or they become unclean. You're not allowed to go to church because you're going to make the church unclean. You're not allowed to be around your family. You're not allowed to eat. You're not allowed to share things with people because your presence there makes other people unclean. Now, for 7 to 10 days, once a month, that's not too bad. But for 12 years, that's going to wear on somebody 
going to wear on somebody when they're not allowed to be around other people. It's going to wear on somebody when they're not available or even looked at to be asked out on a date. It's going to wear on somebody when they can't get invited to a birthday party or a wedding because of their condition. And what we see here is um, we see just a powerful encounter where this woman has been suffering for 12 years. And her encounter with Jesus changes her life. This morning I want to highlight three things that just stood out to me as I was reading through this passage that I think we can apply to ourselves this morning. Because not we, in 2018, we don't dub people unclean, right? We don't have like a ceremonial thing where, you know, oh, you were sick last month, although the way the flu was last year, I might have like a pool out front. Here, just go dip in this and cleanse. Um, but we don't have that. We don't dub people unclean because of an issue that they might have. And so our situation is going to look a little bit different. But I want to highlight three different ways that Jesus offers acceptance to this woman in a life where she had just been rejected. And the first is, is that he acknowledged her situation. Jesus acknowledged her situation. I remember um, when I was in middle school and I had a group of friends. We had just moved to Georgia and I had just established a group of friends. And um, it was kind of an unspoken thing, like on Friday nights, you were going to be at somebody's house for a sleepover. It was just kind of what you did. And if it wasn't at my house, it was at her house. If it wasn't at her house, it was at this one's house. And that's just how it went. Well, one Friday night, I remember sitting there and I was with my mom and I hadn't heard from my friends. And so I thought, I better get on my landline and call my friend because we didn't have smartphones and cell phones then. And so I get on my phone and I call my friend and to explain technology to all of you, um, when you have a landline, you can actually be, there are multiple phones in the house and you can pick up the phone and actually listen in on a conversation. And so I'm talking to my friend and I'm saying, hey, you know, like what's planned for tonight? You know, it's Friday night, what? And she says, oh, you know, I'm not allowed to have anybody over tonight. Just my mom said I couldn't have anybody over. And then the sting, I hear laughter on the other end of the line. And it's not my friend that's talking. I know exactly who it is. It's one of my other girlfriends. And it was a moment where immediate, I felt immediately just hurt. Like, how, how could you treat me this way? I'm your friend. Like, the we, this is what we do. And I remember my mom sitting with me on the front porch, and I'm just, you know, Mom, she didn't include me in sleepover, break and bake cookies without me. What are we going to do? And she just comforted me, and she hugged me, and she said, I'm so sorry. It's going to be okay. And I know that was, a, that was a few years ago, but the truth is that pain, it settled into my heart a little bit. And you may not have a moment like that. You may not have had an experience at 13. But I can tell you, everybody in this room has at one point felt excluded, not accepted, not included, not wanted to be around. Feel like you're, you know, almost, you know, it's annoying that they're around. Oh, my gosh, I can't. You know, you feel, you feel like you're a burden to people. And you've thought to yourself, does anybody see me? And here's a woman, after 12 years of just being an outcast, being set aside, Jesus sees her. And he acknowledges 
her issue. In this moment, he says to her, um, I'm going to highlight this. In verse 31, it says, you know, the, the disciples are like, Jesus, there's like a ton of people around you. Of course, they're touching you. Somebody touched you. And Jesus knew it was different. And he made it a point. What could have happened is that woman could have just reached in and she could have touched his garment and she could have just walked away. But Jesus wouldn't let her do that. He called her out. And it says that she came to him in trembling and fear. And it's because in that time period, if you dare cross the boundary, if you dare break the law being an unclean person, you're going to get banished from the church and you could even get put to death. She was terrified. What is this holy man going to say? I just inserted myself into this crowd of people that have known me. They've known my issue. I hid. I did my thing. I had my faith. I felt, I felt my healing. And all I wanted to do was crawl away. But Jesus wouldn't let her do that. He acknowledged her situation. And here's what I love. In trembling and fear, she told him the whole truth. Jesus listened to her. He listened to her. And if you're here this morning and you feel like, man, I just feel overlooked. I feel like nobody sees me. Nobody hears me. God hears you. God sees you. In the darkest, hardest moments, God hears you and God sees you. He will acknowledge your situation. She goes from rejected to accepted. Let's look at another way that we see acceptance in this story. Public approval. Okay? Now, you can imagine, um, again, 12 years, not invited to the party, not invited to the wedding. And you can imagine just the hurt and the brokenness that must have been in this woman's heart. Missing one or two events is one thing. You know, it's like you see your friends post something on social media, and they're like, oh, we're going out. And you're like, oh, I didn't get invited to that. And you feel, you feel, you feel that, like, ounce of rejection. Well, here's someone who has felt this for 12 years. And what we see here is that it doesn't expound on, you know, the brokenness of her heart. But I can only imagine when you've gone without being, the, being able to touch somebody, being able to hug your daddy, that's hard. That's hard. And what we see here um, is that she carried an issue. And I would imagine she had so many hopes and so many dreams. I imagine before this issue came into her life, she probably thought, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to have kids. Oh, what a life it'll be. I can't wait to be, you know, selling baskets in the marketplace with my girlfriends and talking about life and catching up on what they did at, you know, what did they do back then? The roasting of the animal <laughs> in the backyard, the barbecue, the cookout. She didn't have that. She didn't have that encounter. And my question for you this morning, has you ever felt, have you ever felt the longing just to experience something and be approved? Because here's the thing. She never even had the opportunity to get out and do something. And I'm sure she longed to just be able to have a mundane job at this point. And for someone to say, I see you and I'm proud of you. You're doing a really good job. Maybe it's not the approval of a boss that you're looking for, or uh, maybe it could be a parent. It could be the approval of a parent. Some of you have lived a hard life. Maybe you don't know your mom. Maybe you don't know your dad. Maybe you've lost a parent, and you've just longed for the approval of somebody. 
In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 and 12, it says, And now, I'm sorry, excuse me, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? And this stood out to me for this woman because I guarantee you she wasn't walking around going, somebody be proud of me, but we do that. I throw my accolades out there and I like throw my resume out there sometimes when I'm like really insecure. Like, oh, this is what I do for a living, you know, and I'm longing for the approval of somebody. I'm longing for someone to say, oh, yeah, I see that. I recognize that. Well, she didn't have that at this point. But what we do know is that she was without community. She was without a family. And what stood out to me more than anything is in verse 34, when he addresses her, he calls her by the name daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. A term of endearment he is using to this woman who has been publicly rejected for 12 years. And he says, she's mine. Daughter, be healed and go in peace and be free of your suffering. That is a powerful moment that we cannot overlook Do you know that God sees you and he calls you son and he calls you daughter? He sees you as his sons and daughters. John 1 chapter, um, excuse me, John 1 verse 12 through 13 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born of God, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. When you put your faith in Jesus... You become a child of God. There is no other approval that you need in this life than that of God. He created you in his image. And that is the confidence that you can walk in today. God loves you. He created you. And when we don't know our worth and we don't know our value, what we try to do out of the, out of the hope of not being rejected is just attach ourselves to a job and attach ourselves to a title and attach ourselves to a spouse and attach ourselves to a group of people just to fill our hearts and to feel like we belong. When you know whose you are, you know who you are. You are a child of God, and when you know that, you can walk in confidence with that. And I'm going to say this. This is a continual learning process for me. It's continual. I don't wa- wake up every day and be like, hey, I am the daughter of the king. And, and some days I have really good days like that, but some days I don't. And I have to fight to remind myself, no, I am a daughter of the king. I am an heir to the throne. It says that I am his child and that he made me fearfully and wonderfully, that he knew me before I was even born. God loves me. He cares for me. He won't forsake me. He has a plan for me. I know that he goes before me and behind me and every side of me. And I know that I don't need to be afraid. I know that I don't need to be discouraged because he is for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I have to encourage myself and I have to remind myself of whose I am so that I know when I walk out the door who I am. When you know whose you are, you know who you are. What an unstoppable force we could be if we all grasped that we were children of God, rejected to accepted. And lastly, I want to highlight the acceptance of a Savior. We've seen that he acknowledged her situation. We've seen that he shows her approval and calls her daughter. And that he offers the acceptance of a Savior. 
sometimes we think in that old mentality that, oh, I'm unclean, I have sin in my heart, I have issues, I can't go to church, I can't go be part of that life group and actually open up about my life because if I do, they will not let me stay. If I share what's really happening in my mind, they are not going to accept me. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When you look at the Greek meaning of the word healed, it actually means saved. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Meaning, not only am I going to physically heal you, but spiritually, you're in my kingdom. You're my daughter. Psalm 13, 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My, joy, my heart rejoices in your salvation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There is nothing that you can do to earn his love. There was nothing that that woman could do to earn the approval of Jesus. There was, no, there was no, nothing that she could do, and there's nothing that you can do to earn his love because he's already shown that for you on the cross. Everything, every sin, every rejection, every, every ounce of, of mess that we are, uh, as flawed human beings, Jesus took it on the cross, and he died for it. There's nothing you can do to earn his love. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There's nothing that you can do to earn his love. He's already given it. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And what I love here is that the woman's touch to Jesus would have deemed him unclean, but his touch to her deemed her clean. She didn't contaminate him. He cleansed her. You can't contaminate Jesus today. There's no sin. There's no issue that you have that Jesus can't help you with this morning. There is a seat at the table for you with your name on it. Rejected to accepted. We're going to take, we're going to end the service a little differently this morning because I really wanted to just open up the floor at the end for anyone who might need prayer because some of you might be going, oh, I don't, I, you know, I wrestle with this a little bit. I wrestle with this a lot. Or maybe you've been on the other end. Maybe you've been like the people in the community where the woman suffered for 12 years and you haven't invited people in, and you haven't accepted people, and you haven't loved people like Jesus loves. We're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to pray about that this morning. But here's what I, the question that I just want to pose to you all. Do you know whose you are this morning? Have you put your faith in Jesus? You might be going, gosh, that sounds amazing, but, you know, I... I haven't even done that yet. Well, we can pray with you this morning. When I was younger, I, I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I was baptized and my life was changed. But it doesn't mean that as soon as I put my faith in Jesus that I didn't have an issue, <laughs> that I didn't have something that God was working out of me. It's a continual sanctification as a follower of Jesus. And I'm so grateful that God is one accepted me 
but two, that he shows me approval and that he acknowledges my situation. God wants to acknowledge your situation this morning. Wherever you're at, whatever your heart is aching for or breaking for, God is here for that. You can give it all to him. What issue have you been carrying? What are you desperately in need for Jesus to heal? Do you long for the company of a friend? Do you long for the approval of a father? Do you long for salvation offered from a savior? We live in a fallen world, you guys. Bad things happen. Horrible things happen. But we have a hope today. And that is Jesus Christ. In Jesus, I know whose I am. And I walk out today knowing who I am because of that. Would you stand with me? We're going to just pray. And then as soon as I'm finished praying, we're going to open up the front for a time of ministry. And if you just want to be prayed with today, we have a team up here that would be happy to do that. We're here for you. There is no issue. Let me say this loudly. There is no issue. There is no sin. There is no thing that can keep you from the love of God today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your message. We thank you for Holy Spirit even just ministering to us in this moment. You are so good. You see us. You hear us. You know our situation. God, you know what we've been through. You know what we've come out of. God, you know what we're going through right now. God, thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that you see us. God, thank you that you call us yours, that we have a seat at your table, that you acknowledge us as daughters and sons, that we don't have to live a life where we're, we're just constantly in fear and constantly anxious and constantly afraid of being rejected because our hope is in you. We love you so much, and we thank you for this message today. In Jesus' name, amen.